Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're talking about food for autoimmunity. Did you know there are over 80 different autoimmune conditions? So in this episode, we focus on four foods and their nutrients, which will help support the immune function and minimize symptoms of autoimmune conditions. We have some great menu ideas for you to try, whether you are living with an autoimmune condition or if you just want to optimize immune function. Welcome to the Food Force Spotlight series. For us, food is never just fuel. It provides a wide range of nutrients to support the many aspects of our health and also to promote physiological adaptations for our running performance. These short informative episodes are dedicated to food and meal planning. We'll spotlight key foods to support your running and we'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Ronner's Health Hub. Welcome everyone, I'm Aileen and I'm here once again with Karen and today we're spotlighting food for autoimmunity. Um, So what's an autoimmune condition? Well, simply put, an autoimmune condition develops when the body's natural defense system, so the immune system, becomes dysfunctional. Uh, For many different reasons, it can't tell the difference between host cells, the normal body cells and foreign cells. And this leads it to mistakenly attack normal cells. Um, so there, there are more than 80 types of um, autoimmune conditions. Um, people might have heard of some of these. Uh, maybe you didn't know there were autoimmune conditions. So I'm just going to list a few here. Uh, so rheumatoid arthritis, which is a form of arthritis that attacks the joints. Psoriasis, a condition that's marked by thick, scaly patches of skin. Uh, lupus, um, that's a disease that damages area of the body that includes joints, skins and, and organs. And also there are some thyroid diseases, including uh, Graves' disease, where the body makes too much thyroid hormone and Hashimoto's thyrositis, which when it doesn't make enough. So that's the hyperthyroidism uh, element of the hormone. So from a health and nutritional viewpoint as a runner, our aims of this episode are to consider some foods which will help diminish the risks of developing an autoimmune condition. Or for those who might already live with an autoimmune condition, uh, our aim is to help you reduce the risks of, of a flare-up occurring. 
So um, Karen is, is going to help us focus on four foods to support autoimmunity. Um, so that's, uh, as I said earlier, to support the immune function with a specific um, focus on autoimmune conditions. And we're going to outline the nutritional properties of each of these foods. And we'll talk about how you can add them to your meal plan. Um, you know, they're not just for people with autoimmunity conditions. The foods will be great for everybody. But the foods that we're going to share today are halibut, which is a white fish, banana, olive oil and cauliflower. So, Karen, I'm going to let you talk now. After all that. <laughs> so how are you today? I'm good, thank you, Ailing. Great to be here as always. Great. So let's uh, let's start by discussing the nutritional properties and meal and recipe ideas uh, of each food one by one. So let's start with halibut. What can you tell us about halibut and how it could it support a runner? Well, interestingly, Aileen, halibut is one of the largest saltwater fish and can weigh up to anything between nine kilograms to 230 kilograms, which is huge. huge. I thought that was quite an interesting factoid to start the day. But anyway, it's really highly nutritious. Um, It's an excellent source of protein, of course, but also potassium, selenium and vitamin B12. But today, what we're going to focus on is its selenium content or selenium content, because selenium um, has been shown to be depleted in several uh, autoimmune conditions. Although I have to say that most of the research has linked it to Hashimoto's thyroiditis that you mentioned, Aileen. Now, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition affecting the thyroid gland, like you were saying, leading to insufficient thyroid hormone production. And selenium is a key trace mineral that's required in the production of thyroid hormones. So that's the link there. Now, it is currently unclear whether poor selenium status contributes to the development of an autoimmune condition or if it's a deficiency of it that occurs as a result of the autoimmune condition. So, you know, research still needs to continue to try and determine which way around it is. So, but it, but interesting. It is. So, so how does all this relate to running, Karen? Well, as we've spoken about many times, um, Aileen, running, especially endurance running, um, can lead to the production of free radicals due to the various metabolic processes occurring during um, exercise. Now, just as a reminder, free radicals are unstable molecules that can damage cells. So the body is really clever and produces or releases antioxidant molecules to neutralize these free radicals. Selenium selenium being one of the master trace minerals required for this process. So really, really necessary. Now, the more intense or prolonged the training, so be it speed or distance that you're doing, the more selenium will be required for its potent antioxidant properties. So it could be that exercise reduces the availability of selenium, possibly leading to an increased risk of an autoimmune condition developing or a flare-up if somebody is already living with an existing 
autoimmune um, condition. But like I say, as always, more research is required into this hypothesis. So it's a bit of a hypothesis at the moment. Okay, well, that's very interesting insights, Karen. So let's think now about some recipe and menu ideas for halibut. Um, so halibut is is a lovely white fish, as, as we mentioned, and, and I eat a lot of fish, um, but particularly when it comes to big fish such as halibut and tuna, didn't realise they were quite as big as that, but now mm-hmm. I know. Um, what I do is I, I try to limit my intake and I choose organic uh, where possible because large fish have a potential to contain and accumulate chemicals uh, and other toxins. Um, so, you know, it's it's something that I don't eat every day. It's something maybe, you know, maybe once once or twice a month, possibly. Um, so halibut's a very lean fish. It's a beautiful snowy white flesh and it's um, it's got a, a mild sweet flavour. And it, it's actually quite an expensive fish. Um, so, it, it, again, it's more of a treat, uh, I would say, uh, than something you would have every week. Um, so I tend to be very gentle with it and, um, you know, you can just either bake it very lightly or, or pan fry it very lightly. Um, it doesn't take a lot of cooking. Um, another way of, of cooking with it is to marinate it, uh, maybe with some white wine. Um, I like a recipe where you add some um, crushed almonds and maybe some almond flakes and then you could bake it in some parchment paper in the oven, uh, depending on the size, you know, it could be anything from 10 minutes to, you know, 20, 30 minutes. So I think you've just got to uh, look at what size the, the, the tent have steaks with halibut. Um, and then I, I would serve it with, simply with sweet potato mash and vegetables or maybe a large salad. Um, again, depending on how much exercise I've completed, that would depend on what the, uh, the portion size was. Um if you have got any leftovers, which probably is unlikely because it does tend to be um, quite expensive, so you tend to use small portions, you would just separate it, flake it up into small pieces, um, have it over a bed of uh, greens such as kale, spinach, green beans. You could maybe top with some sliced tomatoes and spring onions and orange segments and then drizzle a little olive oil over. And there you go, a very easy um, to prepare and very tasty light lunch. So that's what I do with halibut, Karen. Sorry? That's what I do with halibut. Yeah, I have to say, Aileen, I don't eat fish, but it does sound very tasty. <laughs> okay, so um, do you do you do any cooking of fish for your family, Karen? Well, um, I, do. I do. I have to say I haven't ever cooked with halibut. Um, but I do like your idea of marinating the halibut and maybe what I could do would be to skewer pieces of it with some colourful vegetables, maybe such as yellow pepper, red onion, courgette, and then grill it until it's cooked. Would that work, Aileen? <laughs> do you think? Yeah, I think it would. Because it, yeah, well, it's a nice dense fish, so it probably would go on a skewer quite nicely. Yeah, and you said that it doesn't take much cooking, so I presume it would be okay on a on a griddle or under the grill or something. If I was just yeah, yeah. because uh-huh. what I was what I was thinking there was that I could then use tofu or tempeh or even halloumi cheese for my skewers, and then that just makes it a really easy meal that suits everybody. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking of. But like I say, I haven't actually cooked with it, but it sounds as though it would be a really lovely fish. So I might buy it as a treat for the family sometime. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on now and think about um, bananas and how they could potentially help prevent the development of of an autoimmune condition or maybe help minimise the incidence of of any flare-ups. Now, in the world of sports nutrition, we do tend to associate bananas with energy, because um, they are an excellent source of quick-release carbohydrates. But today, we're actually going to focus on their um, biologically active polyphenol content. Now, just as a reminder, polyphenols are naturally occurring uh, compounds of phytonutrients that are found largely in various fruits and vegetables, but as well, you can find it in some cereals and certain beverages. Now, in food, They tend to contribute to the bitterness um, and the colour and flavour and also um, the odour of food. Um, However, their benefits are much more powerful than that. And and polyphenols tend to be subdivided into groups, including um, flavonoids, which are the most studied group, but also stilbins and lignans, which we've spoken about in, in the past daily. And some of these people may have heard of or or maybe not. Okay, so it's, it's good always to have a little bit of refresher on what mm-hmm. these like nutrients are, Karen. So thinking about the polyphenols and bananas, how may they support a runner, especially a runner who may be at risk of developing an autoimmune condition, or how could they help minimise the risk of a flare-up of a, an existing autoimmune condition? Well, so thinking about the polyphenols um, found in bananas, the, the principal subgroup um, is the flavonoids that I was um, mentioning, with quercetin, um, cyanidin and chemferol being some of the most abundant. Now, these compounds are known to be excellent free radical scavengers, and we've already spoken about um, free radicals. But they're also they also have antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties as well. So, as inflammation is the common thread that runs through all autoimmune conditions, it could be that the polyphenols in, in bananas may help diminish the risk of developing an anti uh, an autoimmune condition or having any flare-ups. Now, this really would apply to everyone, not just runners. However, as we did mention before, um, certain runners may be at increased risk due to the type of training that they do. So they might be at increased risk of of developing an autoimmune condition or having flare-ups from an existing one. Mm -hmm. So, just something that I think is worth pointing out here, Karen, is that the absorption, metabolism and excretion of polyphenols is, is quite complex. And what the research um, does tell us at the moment is that the high, the high proportion of these ingested phytochemicals from bananas and also the foods, they pass through the small intestine unabsorbed. And when they reach the colon, which is part of the large intestine the host bacteria there degrades them into smaller phenolic compounds that are reabsorbed into circulation but only after passing passing through the liver first and it's these biotransformed gut-derived polyphenol metabolites that are known to exert the bioactive effects so the the things that you've just mentioned the anti 
oxidative, the anti-inflammatory and the antimicrobial effects. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just fascinating to know how they actually do their work, really, isn't it? It is. It is. It is all really um, fascinating. And just adding on to what you said, Aileen, a study I was reading um, looking specifically at exercise and the immune system suggested that the blood plasma levels of metabolites derived from the banana flesh polyphenols could provide their anti-inflammatory effects through what's known as countering the COX-2, so the cyclooxygenase 2 um, expression. Now, COX-2 is an enzyme causing inflammation and pain. So it is thought that um, that the, the polyphenols um, can sort of counteract the um the, the COX-2 pathway, therefore reducing the inflammation and the pain. Um, now, the anti-inflammatory effect, um, like I say, is thought to occur due to the, the these polyphenol metabolites and other molecules as well that are found in banana flesh, such as um, serotonin and dopamine. And it's, a, it's about all of these working in synergy. So not just the polyphenols, creating um the effect it's um it's about everything working in synergy but um yeah we won't go into all of that at the moment Aileen okay the humble banana all these things it's doing and we didn't realize absolutely okay so so we've talked about the positive effects of banana polyphenols for autoimmune conditions um so let's talk about some recipe ideas that um our listeners could think about so you know as we all know you can just eat a banana on its own as a snack and um, keeping it as a strategic snack to help fuel your running as well as support your immune system would be a great idea Um, but if you wanted to be a bit more adventurous um, you could consider uh, baking them um, because that's a really great way of using ripe bananas I mean that's always my problem I buy bananas and they don't you know, they, I don't eat them fast enough and then they get overripe and I'm never quite sure of what I should do with them. But one of the things you can do with them is bake them. Uh, so all you need to do is you leave them whole and you um, just uh, jab the, the banana, poke a few holes in the skin um, and then wrap them in some parchment paper and bake them in the oven uh, for about 15 to 20 minutes at 200 degrees Um and then leave them to cool, uh, and when you can handle them easily, take off the skin, and then you've got the basis of um, a dessert or something for breakfast. So you could have some honey with some um, yogurt and chopped nuts and seeds. Um, Cinnamon goes well with bananas, uh, or perhaps it would be a nice post-run breakfast or snack or a dessert, you know, if you're looking for a little bit of a sweet treat after, after your meal. So that would be um, how I would think about using ripe bananas. Do you have any other recipes, Karen? Yeah, actually, I have a couple, Aileen. Um, banana bread, which is one of uh, one favourite of mine. I really love bl- banana bread. And in fact, the whole family do. You know, when I make it, it doesn't last very long. And it is, it's really tasty and it's just really moist. And I think one of the reasons for that is that I tend to use olive oil instead of butter. Um, because I think it keeps it moist, but also I think it adds to the flavour. Um, and all you need are bananas, self-raising flour, some cinnamon for flavour, 
olive oil, eggs, and walnuts if you want to add that a, a bit of crunch to it. Uh, if Ellie's going to be eating it, I can't add the walnuts because she's um, allergic. But if she's not around, then I'll, I'll put some walnuts in it. And um, I'm just thinking, actually, Aileen, I might I might send this out as a as a Tuesday email recipe in the future because it is so easy to make and so tasty and would be um, a great pre or post run snack. So some one to look out for in the future, everyone. Yeah, so just uh, to remind everybody, if you get on our mailing list, we um, one of the emails that goes out every week is a Tuesday recipe, and uh, we always come up with some nice ideas there. So it's a good reason to get on the list, isn't it, Karen? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 they're all very colourful, and and they're always really easy recipes, but they're also going to help fuel your running as well, and support your overall health. And the other way I use um, bananas is um, banana and nut butter on oat cakes. And this is another favourite of mine and my daughter Ellie's. We just love this. Um, and we tend to have it as a, as a breakfast. And all you do is put some nut butter and sliced banana on, on oat cakes um, with some honey and cinnamon. And it's absolutely delicious. And it's so easy to make. It is very nutrient dense, I have to say. So do use it strategically um and and sort of think about your training and think about having it around your training pre post uh, as a snack um whatever works you could use whole grain rice cakes instead of the oat cakes and that's certainly ellie's preference um but i just love the crunch of of oat cakes so so i tend to stick with that so um um, I have to say, Aileen, I do love talking about all these recipes. It always makes me really hungry, um, but we need to move on. So um, I'm just thinking maybe this would be a good opportunity to take an advert break. So I'm going to hand back to you. OK, yeah, sure. So um, a question we get asked a lot, Baron, is, is what do I eat pre and during and after a training race or, or a run? And uh, we focus obviously on that a lot in our episodes, because if you get this right, you'll be fitter, faster, stronger. And most importantly, you'll recover quickly, ready for your next run. Um, so if you didn't already know, we have uh, designed a free nutrition guide, which is really a companion to all of our episodes. And it's called Top Running Snacks and Nutrient Timing. And it's a PDF ebook, and it lists our suggestions of what and when to eat for each of those times, the pre, during and post run training. So over a thousand runners have downloaded the, this guide so far and we've had great feedback um, and, you know, we'd love you to have it. And if you've already downloaded it and you've lost it, please feel free to download it again. Uh, the guide really gives you a quick reference um, so that you can quickly put our suggestions into action next time you're out for a run. And if you'd like the uh, free nutrition guide, all you need to do is visit our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the top menu bar for free nutrition guide, pop in your email and we'll send you the guide and um, really hope it helps you. So um, yeah, download it quickly. Let us know how you get on. Uh, we love to get a bit of feedback and um, that also gets you on our, our mailing list and then you'll get the, the recipes every week too. 
Excellent. Thanks very much, Aileen. So let's now move on and discuss olive oil, which happens to be one of the ingredients of my banana loaf, actually, that I mentioned earlier. So um, thinking about the nutritional properties of it that could help minimise the risks associated with um, autoimmune conditions. Well, as most of us will know, olive oil is a key uh, food of the well-known Mediterranean diet. Now, this is a diet that's recognised for being health-promoting and preventative against many chronic conditions, actually, including heart disease and type 2 diabetes. And it's also known to, to support a healthy body composition as well. So it is a really great approach to, to eating. Um, but taking a closer look at olive oil linked to autoimmune conditions, as well as the anti-inflammatory properties of its um, what's known as MUFAs, so that monounsaturated fatty acid content, it appears um, to be the polyphenol content of the olive oil that is associated with the, the, the potential health benefits in autoimmune conditions. So, so the same as the bananas, it's the polyphenol content that is um, supposed to be healing and helpful. Now, the pro principal polyphenols um, in, in olive oil are known as hydroxyteresol and oloropine. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. Now, there are others, but these are the two that we'll mention today. So just to briefly introduce them to you and, and the benefits of them for autoimmune um, conditions. So hydroxytyrosol is thought to be a really potent free radical scavenger again. So there's a lot of scavenging around of, of free radicals. In, um, in in today's uh, episode and all these different foods and and again you know that that's going to really help reduce inflammation and just as a reminder those free radicals are these unstable molecules that can cause damage to cells and running induced metabolic processes lead to the production of these molecules so as runners we're creating so many more of them just to just due to natural processes occurring now this hydroxytyrosol is also known to activate the endogenous antioxidant systems within the in the body so this is our own system our own bodies are able to produce um antioxidants that are going to neutralize oxidants so um similar to free radicals in a way in that they're going to to cause inflammation and damage to cells so as you can see it is a really powerful compound and the oloropine is thought to be antimicrobial so really fighting against different in infections, including viruses, fungi, molds, and also parasites. So again, quite powerful in um, re reducing infections, reducing inflammation. Um, and, and just a, a reminder, it's the prevention or management of these free radicals and various microbes, etc., that will help prevent and minimise the inflammation in the body, therefore reduce that risk of an autoimmune condition developing or any flare-ups occurring um, in people who may already be suffering from an autoimmune condition. 
So, so as we can see, there's lots of benefits to drizzling olive oil on your salads, not just mm-hmm. the taste. Um, yeah, and what, what I would add here is that what we're talking about is extra virgin olive oil, not the refined varieties. And the extra virgin olive oil is, is more natural, i.e. It's, it's less processed than, than other olive oils. Um, if you can purchase the cold-pressed variety, that's even better because heat um, – potentially can damage and reduce the health-promoting properties of olive oil. Um, So we'd really strongly recommend that you use the extra virgin olive oil for drizzling um, on vegetables and salads and using in dressings. Um, It's not necessarily the one that you would cook with because um, heating it um, might reduce or limit its nutritional value. So I tend to, you know, like I'll steam my vegetables and I'll add some afterwards. Um, so, Karen, um, shall we share some menu and recipe ideas for olive oil? So what, what do you do with your olive oil? You've already mentioned your banana bread. How else do you use it? Well, I um, use sort of that cold-pressed um, extra virgin olive oil when I'm making, say, my own hummus or guacamole or other dip because I'm not heating it at all. It's all it's all cold and um, natural. Um, and as a, I have to say, Aileen, as a really lovely treat, I do enjoy dipping fresh, crusty sourdough bread into a really light and delicate cold pressed so I get the you know the best that I can afford of the extra virgin virgin olive oil and just dip it and eat it but I have to say it is a treat I don't do it very often but I do love it I just love the texture the te- I just love it all but anyway I do also use um, extra virgin olive oil when making my gazpacho soup um but then when I'm making cakes containing olive oil, like the, um, the the banana bread, then I tend to buy the cheaper varieties. I'll still buy extra virgin olive oil, but I'll, I'll buy, because there are different sort of price ranges, even within the extra virgin olive oil, and I buy the cheaper one. Um, but I still buy the, the extra virgin olive oil just because um, it's still less refined. I know I'm heating it, but it's still a, a less refined um, variety of olive oil. But how about you, Aileen? Do you use olive oil in any other way except for drizzling? Uh, yeah, well, I like the, um, you know, reminding me about, you know, the dips that you make and how olive oil can be part of that. Um, so I quite like making an olive tapenade. Uh, so you can use green or black olives. And literally um, all I do is take some of the olives some garlic, some extra virgin olive oil and uh, whiz it up in a blender and it, it sort of gives you a coarse paste and it's um it's really delicious um on top of a salad or on oat cakes or on hummus or the crispy bread that you mentioned as a treat um it makes a great starter or nibbles you know if you're having friends around for dinner um mm. you can do it on, on bread and it could be served with a rocket or maybe some melba style toast um, so it's really tangy and uh, salty, uh, but really nice. Um, and I do like using um, the extra virgin olive oil as a dressing. Um, so, you know, you can simply just use it, you know, with a squeeze of lemon and um, you know, some salt and pepper. But I, I quite like making a dressing with balsamic vinegar with the extra virgin olive oil, some lime juice and maybe some chopped 
uh, herbs like oregano. Um, and it's really easy to make. You can make it up in a jar, keep it in the fridge, and then you could just pour it over any kind of salad. Um, I think everybody likes dipping crusty bread into olive oil. I know I do. Um, that you you mentioned, Karen, and um, it's sometimes a nice idea to add the aged balsamic vinegar too. Um, so that gives you a nice tartness along with the the lovely um, smooth olive oil. Um, so yeah, lots of you taking me back to the Mediterranean talking about all this. I'm sort of imagining I'm um, in the sunshine. Um, anyway. <laughs> out of it <laughs> we're still mm-hmm. it was still not quite at that point of the year yet um yeah. so let's move on and talk about our final food for the day uh, which is cauliflower so karen what can you tell us about cauliflower we know it's a cruciferous vegetable um but what what about its nutritional properties which could help minimize the risks associated with autoimmune conditions Yes, well, as you say, alien cauliflower is a cruciferous vegetable or brassica, as it's also sometimes known. And other vegetables within this family include cabbage, broccoli, kale, radish, Brussels sprouts, to name but a few. There are quite a lot in the in the cruciferous vegetable family. Now, all of these vegetables um, belonging to this family contain compounds collectively known as brassica metabolites, as well as the phytonutrients known as glucosinolates. And within the glucosinolates, it's predominantly glucobrassicin that is, um, gosh, a lot of big names today, I have to say, um, within this family. Now, all of these natural compounds are known to support immune homeostasis and have been linked to a reduction in the inflammatory processes associated with the autoimmune conditions. So, Karen, in what ways do these compounds help to reduce inflammation in autoimmune conditions? Yeah, well, it is that these compounds that are found in cauliflower and the other cruciferous vegetables as well, they exert their effect through um, helping generate what's known as tryptophan metabolites. Now, just to remind everyone that a metabolite um, is a byproduct from the breakdown, so the metabolism of any substance in tissue or in organs. Now, these metabolites of tryptophan, tryptophan being an essential amino acid, so an amino acid that we must get from our food. So the metabolites of, of tryptophan activate cell receptors through which specific immune cells and other metabolites can cross the blood-brain barrier. Now, once they've crossed into the brain, they are then able to to trigger a cascade that's known to reduce inflammation and neurotoxicity, both of which are implicated in in autoimmune conditions. And um, the, the, the research I was reading was looking specifically at multiple sclerosis um, but also it's been known to be supportive in Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative degenerative, um, conditions as well. Now, how does this fit into running again? Well, regarding neuroinflammation and neurotoxicity, I would say probably that athletes and non-athletes would be at equal risk when thinking about autoimmunity. However, it is worth remembering that Intense and prolonged exercise is a risk factor 
for compromised immunity. Therefore, runners with a a packed training programme may want to increase their intake um, of cauliflower and the other cruciferous vegetables, as well as the tryptophan-rich protein sources as well, because they all work in synergy, um, so working together to optimise the production of these important anti-inflammatory and anti-toxicity metabolites. So there isn't any specific information looking at um, athletes that's why I say that it's 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 possible. It's you know it's known that um, athletes and non non athletes would um, be at equal risk. Mm. But we just have to bear in mind the amount of exercise that some people are doing and the inflammation that that causes. Okay, so so what you're saying, Karen, is to optimize the process, eating cruciferous vegetables alongside tryptophan rich foods would be recommended so the tryptophan um, foods that are are, or the foods that are rich in tryptophan they would include poultry especially turkey eggs fish um, seeds um, thinking of pumpkin and sesame in particular and dairy foods so um, having meals that would combine those um, foods would be really helpful Um, so that I think that leads us on, Karen, to share some recipe ideas about um, cauliflower. Um, mm. I'm sure I've shared this before, but my all-time favourite um, is a spicy cauliflower soup. I make it regularly, and I always have some stashed in the freezer. Um, so what I do is I, I get a large cauliflower, I cut it up into florets, um, I sauté in some olive oil with. Um, a mix of spices, so usually about a half a teaspoon of cinnamon, cumin, coriander, a couple of tablespoons of harissa paste, and then I'll add some hot um, vegetable stock or chicken stock, depending on whether I'm cooking it for myself or, or if anybody's vegetarian. Um, and I might even add in some flaked uh, almonds, some toasted flaked almonds. Um, so you, you Basically, as I say, saute everything together um, and then add the stock and cook for about 20 minutes until the cauliflower is nice and tender. And then you can blitz it either in a blender or use a hand blender in the pan. Um, It gives you the most lovely, creamy, uh, silky soup. um, And, you know, you can add to it if you want to. So, you know, if you want it a little bit spicy, you could have some extra harissa or you could sprinkle some toasted almonds on the top um, before you serve it. Um, so it's a very easy soup for any time of the year, really. It's lovely. Um, and another even simpler way to eat cauliflower is to have it raw. And I think people forget that sometimes. It's a really nice raw crudite. So you can cut it into florets, have it with your favourite dip, any of the ones that we've mentioned earlier, hummus, guacamole, the olive tapenade, um, or sometimes people will mince the cauliflower or grate it and have it as a base for salad. So, uh, you know, they'll use it as like a, almost like a cauliflower tabale type of a salad. Mm, sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah, lots of different things you can do with your cauliflower. So what do you do, Karen? <laughs> 
Well, you mentioned about mincing it to have um, in a salad alien. You could also mince it, um, then blanch it briefly and use instead of rice um, or couscous, maybe when having a curry or a stew or other casserole type meal. And I tend to do that quite a lot. Um, and I'll sometimes use it also as a mash on top of a pie instead of potato. Um, maybe add uh, uh, some spices with that as well. And it's really nice. It, it, like you were saying with the soup, it comes up really creamy when you mash it. So um, really nice as an alternative topping. I have also seen it used as a base for pizza. Although I have to say, I haven't tried it yet, um, but it does appeal to me. Maybe using um, using sort of grated, like you say, or, or minced um uh, cauliflower as a base for a pizza so watch the space i might i might try that and then let you all know how um how, how it goes um, but my favorite way of using cauliflower is as a steak i, I love um to roast the steak with um, a harissa marinade and i noticed that you use harissa in your cauliflower soup alien and i just love the flavor of harissa i just think it's so exotic um, anyway, what I do is I just combine the rose harissa paste. You do actually get an apricot harissa, which I have used, but I do prefer the, the rose. And I just mix the harissa paste with some olive oil, crushed garlic and, and maybe a little bit of honey as well. I'll rub it all over the cauliflower steaks and leave it for a little while. If I've got the time to do that, then I roast it in the oven and until the cauliflower is nice and soft and I have to say it's really scrummy it does sound scrummy we can't try mm. one. okay yeah. um so let's do a little bit of a roundup on the nutritional properties uh, linked to autoimmune disease of each of the foods that we've discussed today Karen and then we'll go on to do a, a menu plan after that so can I hand over to you just to highlight the key nutrients in each of the foods yeah, absolutely, Aileen. So first of all, we spoke about halibut and here we focused on its selenium content because selenium has been shown to be depleted in several different auto autoimmune conditions. Um, however, at the minute, it's still unclear whether poor selenium status contributes to the development of um, an autoimmune condition or if a deficiency of it occurs as a result of the autoimmune condition. Now, but then we moved on to banana, and here we focused on the polyphenol content of, of bananas, principally the subgroup um, known as flavonoids with quercetins, cyanidin, and chemferol being some of the most abundant. Now, these compounds are known to be excellent free radical scavengers, as well as having antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Then with the olive oil, we focused again on the polyphenol content, uh, the principal ones here being the hydroxytyrosol and oloropine. Now, they are thought, again, to be antimicrobial, free radical scavengers, as well as activating the body's own antioxidant system. And then finally, we looked at cauliflower, and it was the brassica metabolites and the glucosinolates found in cauliflower that we focused on. And they're thought to support tryptophan metabolites across the blood-brain barrier, therefore aiding the activation of anti-inflammatory and anti-neurotoxicity cells. So those are the principal 
um, modes of action of the different um, nutrient contents of those foods, Aileen. Great. Thanks for doing that, Karen. Um, so let's now look at our meal ideas and we'll pull them together into one day meal plan. So let's start with breakfast. Um, so I quite like the idea of the baked banana with yogurt and chopped nuts and, you know, possibly having some um, oats sprinkled over it if, um, if I've completed a long run beforehand. Um, so what would you do for lunch, Karen, using these ingredients? Mm, actually, I really like the idea of the gazpacho soup. And I was thinking that maybe I could have a couple of oat cakes with the olive tapenade you mentioned, Aileen, on the side. That sounds to me as though it would be really delicious and filling. Um, Aileen, how about dinner? What would be your recommendation? Well, I think since we were talking about halibut, it, it would be really lovely to have the halibut baked in the white wine with uh, crushed almonds and um, probably keep it simple, serve it with a, a mixed salad uh, drizzled with olive oil and maybe a few new potatoes or sweet potato mash. So um, that would be a bit of a treat, but a lovely treat. And thinking about suggestions, uh, suggestions for snacks, Karen, have you got any snack ideas? Uh, yes, I really like the sound of the um, cauliflower florets with, um, say, hummus or guacamole dip. Um, I also like the idea of the banana bread with a nice cup of herbal tea. Um, maybe a small cauliflower salad plate um, as a snack, especially if I had um, been running. And maybe for a treat some fresh sourdough bread dipped in extra virgin olive oil. So um, I have to say they all sound really delicious and, uh, and and making me feel really hungry, Aileen. So I think I am going to have to go and eat something once we finish. Right. So we're, well, we're almost there, Karen. You've only got a minute or so to go before we, we round up. And we, we've okay. really just given a summary of all the key nutrients. But is there anything else that you'd like to just uh, focus in on as a key takeaway with regards to each of the, the foods? Yes, um, really, I suppose, maybe thinking about the, the halibut and the, the selenium, um, you know, it does seem to be, it could be depleted in individuals with um, autoimmune conditions and prolonged and intense training may lead to an increased demand for the selenium. Um, and it could be that, exercise reduces the overall availability of it, possibly leading to an increased risk of an autoimmune condition developing or a flare-up occurring for someone. And, um, yeah, we spoke about, I mentioned the the polyphenols in um, in the bananas. And, like I said, they're really good um, free radical scavengers. And, and as we know, inflammation is the common thread that runs through all autoimmune conditions. So it could, could be that the polyphenols found in the bananas may help diminish the risk of developing one or a flare-up. Um, and, and I think this would be really important for runners undertaking intense or prolonged tr training because of that increased risk of um, free radical production. So definitely worth bearing in mind. And then it was the polyphenols, again, in olive oil that we spoke about now, um, 
they are capable of activating the 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 body's own antioxidant systems as as well as scavenging the free radicals again and this is important for runners again ones undertaking intense and prolonged training because they they could be increased risk of this free radical and oxidant production and then finally thinking about the the cauliflower and the tryptophan uh, metabolites thinking about the runners um that that intense and prolonged exercise is a risk factor for compromised immunity therefore runners with a pack training program could be at increased risk of this autoimmune associated inflammation and neurotoxicity so um yeah just sort of the links to, to to for us to as runners to consider and that would be it Aileen. Great thank you Karen and thank you to everyone for listening today uh, we hope you're feeling inspired to try some of our food ideas and um, remember, remember everyone don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to try out some new menu ideas. Many of our clients are looking for new ways to help them introduce a healthy food plan which also supports their running performance. So we designed our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program and it's for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your running training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. And you get the added bonus of being invited to free online trainings and Q&As with Aileen and Karen. So you'll always have the opportunity to get some personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. Please check out the program at runnershealthhub.com or if you've got any questions, just drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com. We'd love to see you join us on the program. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. <music>